Hello, and welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. My name is Casey Ruff from Boundless Body LLC, and I am the host of Boundless Body Radio. Before October of 2020, I was not a podcaster. Now, I have recorded hundreds of episodes featuring incredible guests, created tons of helpful content, and have consistently generated thousands of downloads every month since I began. I'm just a regular dude trying to share a message, and now I'm ready to show you my process, my successes and failures, and everything I've learned along the way to help you start your own podcast. Together, we'll explore the entire process of having a podcasting idea and take it all the way to publishing your first episode and explore all the steps in between. Then, I'll give you all the tools that you will need so you can record as many episodes that you want to release after that. Podcasting is one of the most enriching skills I've ever added to my life, and I've learned a ton by talking with some of my heroes and sharing it with anyone who wants to join us on our journey. So, sit back, grab a notebook, take some notes, and welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. Hey, hey, this is Casey Ruff, and welcome to episode 10 of season two. Today, we are speaking with Cynthia Thurlow. Cynthia is a nurse practitioner and the CEO and founder of the Everyday Wellness Project. She is also the host of the podcast Everyday Wellness, which very frequently ranks as the top health and nutrition podcast on Apple. That is so super impressive. Very cool. Her new book, Intermittent Fasting Transformation, which is available for pre-order, is a 45-day program to help women lose stubborn weight, improve hormonal health, and slow aging. Cynthia was hosted on our primary podcast, so be sure to check out her amazing story on episode 116 of Boundless Body Radio, and be on the lookout for her latest episode on our show, which releases on March of 2022 to discuss her new book. Cynthia, welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. Thanks. It's so nice to be back and connecting with you again. Always love chatting with you. I knew that you had just written your book um, and you're always so busy (laughs) with all your podcasting. I'm absolutely flattered that you would be willing to come on our show today um, to talk about it. It's so cool. Yeah. You know, I I think podcasting is such an amazing way to connect with other humans. And, you know, I'm, I'm oftentimes surprised at how many individuals don't take advantage of just being able to learn from people that are in this space. And, and, you know, as I tell my kids, cause of course they think that this is, you know, they don't really understand or, or value the po- the value of, of podcasting yet. But I remind them that podcasting is like the new networking. It's an ability to connect with people from not just where you live, but anywhere around the world and be able to share ideas and synergize and develop real friendships. So it's really a great way to connect and collaborate. Yeah, totally. No, it's so funny. I remember it was either 2014 or 2015. I was planning a solo road trip and somebody had told me about like what a podcast even was. <laughs> and I remember downloading uh, Daniel Vitalis's podcast, Go Wild. And he had guests on that would talk about the importance of getting sunlight and eating natural foods and going barefoot and grounding and all this stuff that, boy, at the time just seemed like so you know, out there. (laughs) And a lot of that stuff has proven to be absolutely true and so important. And I haven't listened to any music in my car since then, because podcasting is, you're right, just such an amazing way to learn and and also meet other people. It's fantastic. That's such a great point. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, the other piece for me, uh, being someone that's like constantly reading books or listening to a book or learning or, you know, just kind of zoning out. um, It's just such a great way to um, you know, stimulate your brain or uh, just hear other ideas that individuals are considering. I, I think for me, 
it is one of the ways that's allowed me to continue to grow intellectually is just listening to people that are, you know, standouts in their environment or just people that make me think. I, I think there, there's so much cognitive dissonance in the world right now that it's really important for us to uh, not just stay in a vacuum. And, and I think podcasting is such a great way to be exposed to new ideas and new perspectives and do it in a way that's very user-friendly. Yeah, totally. I mean, one of our common guests, uh, Vinny Tortorich, you just hosted on your show not too long ago. And, you know, he makes, he's amazing. He's so awesome at what he does. And he makes these amazing documentaries. But in podcast form, you get to hear what he thinks about all of those ideas today in his current state. And maybe his his, his thinking has evolved in in some certain way. And you get, you get to have that in a podcast form that's more recent than, you know, a book or, you know, that type of content that he produces. Absolutely. And he's prolific. I mean, he, he was at the beginning stages. I, you know, I think about him and people like Jimmy Moore that have been around for a long time podcasting and really paved the way for the rest of us to feel inspired to do the same. Yeah, totally. Definitely standing on those giants for sure. Um, I'm not sure if you know this, but I have offered anybody who pays attention to any of my content, I've done this for years, that if they go and buy any of Vinny's uh, documentaries, I will personally reimburse them for doing so. Um, all they need to do is reach out and I'll demo them a few bucks for renting Fat or Fat 2 or his latest documentary. They're just so good and so critically important, I believe. Um, I'll reimburse anybody. So if you ever ended up renting it, needing to rent it, uh, no, I got you covered. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a wonderful way to kind of play things forward. Yeah, definitely. You can't unsee that diabetic um, amputation in the first, um, first documentary you did just totally stunning. Um, I've gotten to ask you twice on both of the episodes that we did on, on Boundless Body what your personal story was. And since this is a different audience, I think to be able to tell the story of your podcast, we need to just briefly at least go over your story and how you became interested in health. Yeah. So I, I've uh, been a, a nurse practitioner for seemingly a hundred years, but really no, since uh, 2000. So, you know, 22 years of being a, an NP. And prior to that, I was an ER nurse and really was an adrenaline junkie. Loved everything about uh, the ER and cardiology and, and cardiology is really where I spent 16 years working as an NP. And, you know, over the course of time, I think nurses really have a profound appreciation for not only connecting with their patients, really listening, really being the teachers, uh, really being the ones that, you know, fill in the gaps conceptually for our patient population. And I just got to a point, I think, after having a child with life-threatening food allergies, uh, just looking at food as, as really being the basis for our health and 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 certainly you know, I dove down the rabbit hole. I started a PhD program. I did a wellness coaching program. And then I read a book that changed my life called Eat the Yolks. And that completely changed everything. I went into a functional nutrition program. And then that really opened up my eyes to being able to utilize my background, my talents in very different ways. And so I left clinical medicine in 2016. And uh, about two years after that, one of the women that I went through the program with said, you know, I think we should really do a, a podcast together. And Kelly is a wonderful clinical psychologist. It was really her idea. And we did that together for a little over a year. And then she felt like it wasn't as aligned with what she wanted to do. And so I was left with the decision to either fold up the podcast or continue on my own. And the irony was it wasn't initially wasn't really what I wanted to do, but it turned out that when I was able to be the sole person uh, interviewing people, connecting with others that it really kind of took off. I was able to, you know, really focus and, and get very, very uh, defined about what I wanted the podcast to be and how in-depth I wanted to get with the guests. And so it's turned out to be this incredible blessing. 
And so I tell people all the time, it's one of the favorite aspects of being an entrepreneur is that I have the ability to connect with some of the brightest, uh, you know, people that are, that are changing the needle, that are making an impact. And I'm able to do that every week. And so I, I feel like it's the greatest job in the world to be able to, uh, you know, have a platform where people uh, are able to get great information, good quality information, well-researched information, and be able to impact their lives in really positive ways. So I feel like in, in many ways, I'm still still functioning as, you know, that educator, uh, but now I get to inspire and empower predominantly women, but also their families to take the best care of themselves as possible as they navigate uh, all of the the roles that we play and in our personal and professional lives. So that that's a little bit of how I got to where I am today. But as I said before, I think podcasting is absolutely without a doubt, one of my favorite things that I do. And I'm so grateful that my friend Kelly convinced me to do it because I, I can't imagine how different my business and my life would be without it. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't actually realize that, that you had kind of started with somebody else. Was she doing most of the legwork initially and, and just bringing you on? Or how much work did you have to do um, when you were doing it together? Yeah, I mean, we we split up the work. I generally was the one that got the guests uh, just because I always kind of was always reaching out to people and wanted to connect with people. Kelly did a lot of the technical stuff that I had no interest in doing, you know, publishing the podcasting. And then we got to a point where we, you know, brought on someone to help with editing and someone to help with intros and outros. And as the podcast grew, you know, we got to a point and, and for anyone that's listening that, you know, you, you're trying to figure out when you can start monetizing. And so, uh, unfortunately, before Kelly left, we weren't really in a position where we could monetize. You have to have a certain amount of downloads to get most advertisers interested. And so uh, it was it was after I went solo that I really started to to see a lot of growth in the podcast. And that's when I got to the point that I really started to monetize. But yeah, Kelly was doing a lot of the technical aspects. Um, she is super, super organized. And so I, I tend to be more of a fly by the seat of my pants. I do a lot of research, let me be clear when I bring podcast podcast guests on, but the way that our roles kind of worked out was that she was the one who kind of liked to organize very specific technical aspects. And then I would bring people on and then fly by the seat of my pants. And that was, that was our dynamic. We were a good balance for one another. Wow. Well, on my notes of things that I wanted to question you about today is the word research. I'm looking at it right now. You can just absolutely tell that before you bring a guest on, you do a tremendous amount of research. I feel like you already have a really good base you know, knowledge of a subject before you tackle it. But I can also tell that you have done a lot of research on your specific person and their specific topic. And the conversation does feel fun and flowy and it doesn't feel so formal, but it it definitely does follow a course. And so maybe this is a good time to ask you, why, why do you think that research is so important and how do you think that shines through in your podcast? Well, I think now that I've I've had the the honor of being on a lot of podcasts, I, I think that part of, what satisfies my needs, you know, intellectually is that I want the podcast guests to know that I've really prepared. I've read their book. I've listened to them on other podcasts. I've really gotten a sense of who they are. And I want them to feel like the time that we have together is really valued. And so part of that prep for me is really getting organized. Like what are the things that I really think are most important to touch on? Because most people don't have hours to spend (laughs) being interviewed. And if I feel like someone really has a lot that they can share, I always bring them back. So part of my prep is really getting into their head. I want to, I want to ask them questions or maybe go down avenues they haven't been asked before. And so as an example, like I'm interviewing uh, Dr. David Perlmutter on Wednesday morning and he has a new book out 
And one of my goals this past weekend was to get through this most recent book and then start doing some back research on some of the key concepts in the book so that when I talk to him, we can have a really fruitful conversation because I know I know the the predominantly the women that listen to my podcast are going to have specific questions. And so from my perspective, it's like I want to be ready to make sure that I have that available to them. But I just think, you know, podcasting is an energetic exchange and I want my guests to feel valued and to feel like their their time and their expertise is is respected. I, I can tell you that there's nothing there's nothing more frustrating than you go on someone's podcast and you can tell they haven't they really don't know much about you or they haven't really prepared. So you know you feel like you're having a conversation, but it's they're asking questions that if they had done a little bit of research or done a little bit of digging, they would have already known and, and you could have actually taken the conversation to another level. This is just, it's not a judgment. It's just an observation. Um, I'm always grateful to be on, on people's podcasts, but I, I just think, you know, the, the way that I see the podcast, my podcast evolving is that I want to continue to level up. I want to continue to get, uh, you know, deeper, better interviews. I, I think one of the things that I think about uh, in the very beginning was that I had these limiting beliefs that I wasn't a good interviewer. And in fact, I was a great interviewer because I've been doing it with patients for years, but obviously it's very different when you're having uh, an informal conversation and you're podcasting. But what I came to find out was that each one of us has a unique lens that we see the world. And that's really what you have to shine. Like once you get to a position when you're podcasting and your personality comes out and your sense of humor, your relatability, I think most people want to connect with real people. And, um, you know, I got asked a question the other day that, that I'm going to share with you was, uh, you know, do you, do you ever read the reviews of your podcast? And I'm all for being transparent and I'm all for learning. But sometimes if you read those things, then you become self-conscious about whatever you're being criti- criticized about. So I, I think there has to be a time and a place, but podcasting for me has really, has really been a joy. Like overall has really been a joy and a great way to connect wow. with other people and be able to share their gifts with the world. Really. Wow. I absolutely love all of that. I think it is so, so important. And, and it's so cool coming from your perspective because not only do you host an amazing podcast, but you've been a guest on so many podcasts. And so you have both of those perspectives, hosting and being the guest. I think it's so critical to understand who you're talking to. I had to learn this the wrong way. One of our early episodes was with Dr. Sean Baker. I mean, for the listener, Dr. Sean Baker, huge name in, in my world. If you're, if you're following nutrition, you probably heard of him. He's a big proponent of the carnivore diet, um, that I mostly practice. And, you know, he was really made famous by appearing on Joe Rogan's podcast. And I'm a coach for one of his, you know, from his company, Rivero. Um, so I get to work with people who want to do carnivore diet. And he agreed to be on the show and we did the interview. And when I listened to it again, I, I just kind of listened in horror because I had made the exact same interview that he had done probably six times that day. <laughs> there was nothing unique or different or, you know, there was no real digging. I, I didn't tell a different story than he had already told. And, and I was really bummed out about that. And, and so I, I do think that's so, so critical um, to do the research. How, how much do you vet out your guests before you even ask them to come on? You know, now it's very organic. I uh, could read an article. I could see something on Instagram. I could listen to someone else's podcast and say, wow, I really need to bring that person on. And so I I just take it very organically. 
And I'm not caught up. I know some people get very caught up in metrics, like, oh, if I bring this really well-known person on, it's going to help my metrics. And I always say, it's far more important that you connect with that person on an organic and real level than it is about bringing on like a, I call them the unicorns. I mean, sure, we like the unicorns on the podcast, but I, I think that, you know, you want to have a true organic connection. And so it could be someone that just says something nutritionally that validates something that I already believe. And maybe they've written a book or maybe they've got an opposing opinion and it. I don't want to argue with them. I just want to learn. I always come, I always come at it as a, from the perspective of curiosity, you know, what am I curious about? So right now I'm down a rabbit hole about sleep. And so I have a melatonin expert coming on. I have a sleep expert coming on. Uh, I'm down a rabbit hole about uric acid and fructose. So I've got two experts in those areas coming on and I'm doing this amongst a book launch. And I was explaining to my team who had listened to me say, I'm not doing any podcasts in February and March. And yes, I am doing podcasts in February and March. And it's because I'm so intensely curious about what their gifts are and what they can share that I'm willing to put in the work to prep properly I'll give you an example. I'm uh, interviewing a, a gentleman. It's uh, Dr. Blumming. And so he's an oncologist. He's also a, a hormone expert. And he has a really fresh take on uh, bioidenticals, hormonal replacement therapy, really blows the lid off a women's health initiative from the early uh, 1990s when I finished, early 2000s rather, when I finished my nurse practitioner program. And I read his book and listened to a podcast he did with Peter Atia, And I reached out to him on Thanksgiving of all times and said, I just read your book. I just heard you on Peter Atia. Uh, I think you have such an amazing message. I would absolutely, it would be such an honor to bring you on the podcast. And so it can be that organic for me. I usually say once I'm down a rabbit hole, looking at someone's stuff and I'm really intensely interested in what they have to say, that's usually where it stems from. I think when I first started the podcast, it was very different. I really just reached out to all the other health and wellness uh, entrepreneurs that I knew and tried to uh, share their gifts with the world. But now I'm, I'm very, very deliberate. And I, I would say our team probably gets 20 to 30 requests. You know, there are, are lots of organizations. They're either, um, you know, publishers, PR people, or just PR reps that, or podcast placers that want to come on the podcast. And I would say 90 to 95% of the people that reach out, we say no. And it's not because they don't have something wonderful to offer, but if it's not unique or specific enough for my niche or my people, and I'm always thinking about the people that listen to my podcast, like how can I honor them? And so I try to be, try to give some different angles. And I try to get like, right now I've been in a animal-based protein series, uh, but we're, we're trading off and flipping to Perlmutter this weekend but I think it's important to, um, you know, to make sure that the guests you're interviewing, you're really enjoying. And I, I think that when you first start podcasting, sometimes you interview everyone that you know in an effort to, you know, plug slots and, and, and it's great to get those skills. But I think you get to a point where if you're going to continue doing this, you really have to love it because it's work. And, and I, I think a lot of people perhaps don't realize that initially, you know, they, they fly by the seat of their pants like I certainly did. And it shows. I mean, when I listened to you know the first 10, 20, 30 podcasts we did, uh, I certainly wasn't as good of an interviewer as I am now. And so I think that over the course of you know developing and evolving your podcast, you find your voice. I think that's really what it comes down to is finding your voice. Like where are you comfortable? And you know, the other piece is 
I think sometimes when you've really looked up to certain guests for a long time, I know every time I speak to Jason Fung, I try to like keep my fangirl stuff like on the down low <laughs> so that he doesn't feel like he's being fangirled. Um, I actually did an IG live with him last week and my team was laughing. They're like, yeah, you were like totally calm, cool and collected. And I said, well, these are, these are people who want to be treated like normal people. So if you happen to get a unicorn on your podcast, just be cool. I I think that's the big thing is, you know, just be cool because they're normal everyday people and they just, you know, they want to do a good interview for you. They want to connect, but they, they, you know, they don't want to be fan geeked. Although it's, it's like, I, I, I recognize that I have to kind of suppress that when I'm feeling that way, but um, yeah, there's so much to unpack here for sure. Oh no, this is great. It's so funny. I choked up when I was introducing Nina Teichel's on our show. <laughs> um, Nina's amazing. She is. She's amazing. You're right. I think, it's, I think it's hard when you interview science writers because they are the people that are in, like they are in the thick of it. They're writing about it. They're exposed to everything. They're in the research. I think the same way about Gary Tobes and, uh, or like even Sam Apple, you know, the science writers are really respect what they do and admire their work and they stand out on platforms and people try to knock them down all the time. But I think sometimes they're the most challenging to, to interview. And it's not because they aren't wonderful people and just gracious and smart. I mean, just so smart it's just, you kind of look at it like they've considered every angle, you know, they are the writer. And so it's such a different dynamic, but Nina's amazing. Yeah. I loved interviewing her. Totally. Yeah. She's absolutely amazing. And that's a really interesting point. I think with the journalists, especially in the nutrition world, they're, they don't have a dog in the fight really. I mean, they're trying to sell their mm-hmm. book, but they, they don't get paid whether you eat a steak or whether you eat a salad. Like they didn't come yeah. from the medical world. They're just trying to tell the story that they uncovered. So yeah. I, I think that's a really good point. And I think that does require a deeper level of research before bringing somebody like that on. And and just to reiterate, talk about research and great podcasts. Peter Atia is just amazing at, yeah. at, at that. That's one of my absolute favorite podcasts. He has amazing guests and always covers really great topics and research. And, and you mentioned hard work, which, which podcasting is a lot of hard work. Um, we definitely recommend people quit early. If you don't feel like this is something you're going to continue, do the free trial of a hosting website and just kind of see if you like it. Cause it, you might love it or you might hate, you know, the editing and finding guests all the time and, and the time that it takes it. It is a lot of work. I'm, I'm curious, maybe this will be a two part question. When you were taking over the podcast, which things were most intimidating to you and difficult? Um, and which things do you feel like you were able to learn and and take on and progress with? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Well, first and foremost, like I hand, I hand off all the tech stuff I record and I hand everything off. So for me, I don't love the tech stuff. Some people do, but I have a podcast team that handles that. And so that to me is what I didn't love doing. And so I'm like, what, I, what I'm really good at is making connections and interviewing people. So, you know, from my perspective, by the time Kelly and I um, had kind of separated in terms of podcasting, I already had a team that was doing all the editing. So that was pretty seamless. Uh, for me, it was just, it was then it was like, now you really need to push yourself because we're not playing small. Like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it big. I'm going to work really hard. And so I did the bigger ass and I would say 90% of the time it's a yes. It may not be yes right now, but it's a yes. And so it's oftentimes a reflection of, you know, how much travel is someone doing? How much free time do they have? Do they have a book that's coming out like book promotion 
for anyone that's listening, if someone is, has a book that's coming out, they are more than happy to come on your podcast. So take advantage of that. Um, you know, it, I, I think it's 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 very unique as to what people's skill sets are. But it, I, I think for me, the connecting with people is my is really one of my assets. And so uh, I'm I'm kind of shameless when I say shameless, not in a disrespectful way, but you know, it's like you throw something on the wall and see what sticks. And I would say 90% of the time I get a yes. And I just explain like my platform, who I represent, how many, roughly how many downloads I get, because it gives people a sense of, you know, do you have an established podcast or is this a hobby and you're just starting out? Um, I'm not a snob. When someone asks me to come on a podcast, I generally uh, just want to make sure that it'll be a good experience for both of us. So I think it's important I find, and this is something good for the listeners to hear, I find that some of the bigger guests don't really want to help promote. So after you do a podcast, you know, maybe crickets, like you may provide them with deliverables and things like that. They may not even promote on their channels. Whereas, uh, you know, guests maybe that are, are newer, just starting out, they will promote like crazy because they are just so excited that they came on the podcast. So to me, I don't, we don't really use as a metric, like how many followers someone has or what their social media presence is. It's more about the organic connection. And is there something of value that they can bring to my listeners? And that, and am I curious about it? Like, that's huge. Like you mentioned Peter Atia, and, and I hold Peter Atia and like Huberman lab on a pedestal. Um, I even have my husband who's does not have a medical background listening to both of them. And it's kind of funny that now he's into watch, listening and watching podcasts too, but it just learned so darn much. And I always say, if I can ever get to a point where I'm as prolific of a podcaster as Peter Atia, I'll feel pretty good about myself. But I also don't have a team of 30 people that, that help me with podcast prep, but he does such an amazing job. Um, and ironically, we were at the same university at the same time, but I never met him. Oh, wow. Funny. But, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I think, you know, ultimately delegate the things you don't like or aren't good at. And then focus on the things you are good at. And, and, and I think for me, it was really, uh, I was shameless in the sense that I, if I really wanted a unicorn, I was not afraid to go after them. I, I, I did my research. Like I was very deliberate about making sure I went about it in a respectful way without being obnoxious. But I kind of think the sky's the limit. And, um, you know, I think it should be for everybody. Yeah. Wow. No, so many really good gems in there to kind of unpack. I, I agree with you on the guests. It's it's kind of interesting. There's like a tier, uh, of, you know, of, of guests that you can have on where they, they haven't, they're like on the come up, like they haven't really been discovered yet, but they've done really good work. They haven't appeared on a lot of podcasts and they're so excited and enthusiastic. Uh-huh. And they're, those, those are my favorite people to talk to because I know mm-hmm. we're going to have an amazing conversation and it's going to be on the leading edge of maybe them going bigger later on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think about specific people that, uh, you know, reached out to me like after my second Ted talk and wanted to have a intermittent fasting expert as an example. And I've just watched their podcast continue to like grow and it's really cool. Like, I feel like in many ways, um, you know, I, I always say like, I'm, I've got a respectable amount of downloads and follows and all of those metrics. And I, I, I think that, you know, there's room to grow from where I am, but I love seeing other people succeed. And so it's really exciting when, I see, you know, baby podcasters or smaller podcasters starting to grab a little bit of traction. 
and then bringing on, you know, bigger guests and kind of figuring out like what direction they want to take their podcast in. And like I said, I, I think podcasting is like the new networking. I, I, I would say some of my favorite entrepreneurial friends are fellow podcasters. And we just will tell each other like, oh my gosh, you got to interview this person. They're amazing. Um, I, I've been completely humbled with how, how gracious people have been about making connections and introductions. Um, just truly, I mean, it, it's and without doing it for there, there's no, um, there's no, you know, there's not a, there's the very much this degree of reciprocity in terms of, uh, you know, I'm happy to do an intro, uh, for someone that hasn't had a particular guest on their show so that they can bring them on their show and vice versa. And I, I think that that just makes us all stronger and better because each one of us might provide a different view or lens of that individual and, you know, ultimately makes us all stronger. Yeah, totally. I have to say that, you know, we've, we've only been really entrepreneurs in the last two years since the pandemic. And that specific group of people, entrepreneurs and small business owners have got to be some of the kindest and most mm -hmm. generous and giving people that I have ever met with advice, yeah. with help, with anything needed. I've, I've had a, a tremendous experience working with other small business owners. Um, yeah. I, it's just a wonderful group of people for sure. Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about outsourcing the things that you're not good at, which I completely agree with. I think there's a time for money kind of trade where sometimes it's just not worth the time to learn a skill set that you're just not interested in. So I, I agree with you there. Um, you mentioned, you know, how your podcast has evolved and, and how you, your biggest strength is asking the questions. In what ways would you say you have improved specifically, um, with your interview style over time? Oh gosh. Well, I mean, some of it's been the, you know, not so nice comments you get, you know, you get good reviews and then you get like a dud review and you think, gosh, do I really say that that often? Um, I'm constantly striving to be deliberate when I'm speaking. So I cringe when I think about even being a guest on a podcast, you know, 2017, 18, I would listen to them and I'm like, God, it's a great interview. But every time I say, you know, or you do use a filler word, and so for me, getting very deliberate about slowing down the discussion, taking a pause, really trying very hard to make sure that I'm methodical and deliberate with the way that I'm speaking has been, you know, for me has definitely been a challenge because I think fast and I speak fast and sometimes I need to slow it all down. In fact, I just recorded my audiobook, and that was the one thing the producer said. She was like, Cynthia... <laughs> This is an intimate conversation in someone's ear. You do not want to be racing. So it's it just the way that my brain works. I have to kind of slow it down and remind myself that I'm having a conversation. It does not have to be a race. I don't have to, you know, race to get all the ideas out. So, so what I've learned to do is to be methodical, to listen more and speak less and to be very organized. Like when I'm, for example, for Perlmutter's interview, uh, I spent a lot of time reading his book over the past week and I just took notes as I was reading the book. And so now I'm going to go back through and I'm going to create an outline. And then there, I'm going to go back through and I'm going to think about what are the five or six things I want to make sure we cover because it's impossible to get it all in an hour. It just is. Uh, so what are the most important things that I need to do? So I, I think that we evolve uh, as human beings and then, you know, we have to kind of acquiesce to critical, you know, critical feedback, <laughs> constructive, hopefully constructive critical feedback. Uh, I definitely have had a few instances where my guests have gotten criticized and then I've gotten a bad review, which is really kind of a bummer because, 
you know, I don't exist in a vacuum and I don't necessarily agree and align with every single opinion of every single guest, but I do endeavor to bring high quality people on that are going to be able to offer something of value to the listeners. And the one thing I've come to find out is don't read your reviews, let your team do that. And then if there's something constructive that needs to be brought back to you, uh, they can soften it a little bit. And it's not because I'm a Pollyanna. It's just sometimes that can get in your head. Like there was a a criticism. I had two um, wonderful physicians that came on in the fall and I guess the individuals had said the word, the word, you know, a few too many times. And this person wrote kind of a nasty review. And, and then it made me start questioning how often I say that. And then it gets in your head and you get to track, you get distracted from your purpose. And so I try to stay focused on my purpose. And my purpose is to bring the best quality podcast I can with my gifts and shining a light on my guests. And so I have to really stay focused. Uh, it's very easy to get distracted when you're criticized. And it's not to suggest that you're, we're always going to get criticized. We put ourselves out there every week, right? But to not get distracted from your purpose, to kind of say, it's okay, is there something in there I could have learned, I could benefit from? Sure. Can I control everything that comes out of my guest's mouth? Absolutely not. But people get nervous and we sometimes use filler words because we're nervous. That's that's <laughs> We're human, right? You're creating free content for people. Like if you don't like it, don't listen, but don't spend right. time putting out a, a negative review. I, that, that just really bothers me. I, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I, I guess that would really get in somebody's head if you were to see that too many times. Right. Right. I mean, energetically, it's like, I just don't have time for that. I mean, we've gotten criticized because now I have podcast sponsorship and, and what I think a lot of people don't realize is it's expensive to run a podcast. I mean, when you think about the amount of hours and you pay a team to get guests uh, scheduled, and then you pay a team to get things edited and uploaded and doing all the things that frankly, I don't have the time for. And people just assume, yeah, it is free content, but this is a way that I'm able to at least recoup some of what I'm spending on a monthly basis to run a successful podcast. And so occasionally we take heat for that too, but you know, I, I frankly don't care anymore because just about every podcast I listen to with very few exceptions, there are ads. And if I don't want to listen to them, I can just fast forward it. It's not a big deal. Yeah, that's right. And you're providing so much value in the content that's there anyway. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I just, I, I think that's a really wise decision. One of my favorite questions I get is like, how much money do you make from the podcast? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? How much money do I spend yeah. to keep this thing going? It is very expensive. Um, yeah. I, I'm curious, you've, you've mentioned, you know, downloads is not like a primary thing for you. What, what kind of metrics, they could be tangible or intangible. What kinds of things let you know that your podcast is a success? Well, I, I mean, I look at it as how many downloads did I have a year ago? And we've almost tripled downloads in the past year. Wow. So that, that is definitely a sign. Um, that's definitely a sign that we're heading in the right direction. So I was always kind of taught there's a certain threshold at which most advertisers will be interested in looking at you for advertising. And so when I hit that threshold, we looked into that. And then in the past 14 months of having sponsorship, uh, I've almost tripled the download. So to me, that's certainly an indication. I think it's also, I just, I love hearing from people and I get a lot of feedback on Instagram predominantly and uh, even, you know, Twitter occasionally. 
And it's just, it's very validating to know that there are are real people out there that are listening to the podcast and get a lot of value out of it. Uh, I, you know, I, I think there's, there's nothing better to know that someone out there has been educated and inspired to take control of their health or, you know, have a conversation, a difficult conversation with a loved one or their healthcare professional. I mean, that to me is what's most important, like having impact and, and saying that in a way that positive impact on someone's life, introducing them to a concept they've never heard. Like we did a, I always say we, I, I did a podcast on testosterone in uh, last summer and I can't tell you how many messages we got about it because women were just like, my doctor said, we don't need to have testosterone. And I'm like, oh, honey, let me tell you something. <laughs> we, men and women need adequate amounts of testosterone and here's why. And so to me, I know when I get a lot of feedback about an episode, it's because it made people think. And I was raised by very smart parents that were very cerebral. And there's no greater joy to me than knowing I presented a concept that then allowed someone to be their own best advocate or allowed someone to question or allowed someone to um, demand better for themselves. You know, unfortunately, I think this is something that both men and women struggle with, not just women. But I think there are all these limiting beliefs that we assume at a certain age, we have to accept things as as they are. And certainly if that had been the case for me, I wouldn't be who I am. So I always want to encourage people to challenge the status quo not in a disrespectful manner, but let's be educated about it. Or maybe I'm going to encourage you to go read a book or, you know, do a little more research or have that difficult conversation. I mean, that's, that's the aspect of podcasting that I think is so cool. Like really having the ability to interact with some pretty amazing humans and inspire people to, you know, not buy into this conventional wisdom. I mean, I I love that you know, when I look around and I see a lot of my peers that are doing great work, just like you're doing great work with your podcast, it's just, it's just nice. It's, it, to me, it's an energetic currency. You know, we're all doing good things, inspiring others to take better care of themselves. And, you know, maybe they have to hear that information 10 times before someone takes action, but maybe it's your podcast that encourages that person to finally take better care of themselves or maybe advocate more for themselves. Um, you know, there's still unfortunately a kind of prevailing paternalistic uh, way that that medicine exists, where you know the healthcare professional knows all and the patient knows nothing. And and I tell patients all the time, heck, I am always learning. I'm going to be learning till the day I die. You know, so to me, every time I interact with someone and I haven't heard something before, I'm like, huh, maybe I need to go look into that. So I think just being humble and open that you're a guest or a patient or a client or someone you interact with might cause you to go down a rabbit hole in a good way. Yeah, that's great. And what a wonderful way to approach things and staying humble allows you to continue that learning process, which is great. I mean, my whole personal training career is basically just being wrong about everything all the time. (laughs) (laughs) No, in fact, I do, I do a lot of Twitter content talking about the things that I used to tell patients that I now know is blatantly wrong. And I'm like, I come from a place of humility. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I absolutely love that. Podcasting too. Like I, I, 
I'll have a guest on, and it's just the way they will say something. Like they'll say something maybe I already knew, but they say it in such a unique and different combination of words that it it creates this like soundbite of like pure wisdom that that really hits home. And I'm wondering if you can think of one recently, like a favorite podcasting moment where somebody just said something in the right combination that really unlocked a new understanding for you. Oh, well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I'm getting ready to interview Perlmutter and this is, this is a good, a good explanation. And so his new book is talking about uric acid and the role of metabolic health. And as a clinician, as a Western medicine trained clinician, the things that he's writing about and the connections with fructose and, and our metabolic inflexibility and, you know, the degree of chronic disease that we're dealing with here in the United States and other Westernized countries you know, I literally was reading the book, taking notes and saying, holy crap, like this is so different than how I trained. It's so different from how I used to think about uric acid, primarily just being an issue with gout that, you know, it's like, it really gives you pause. And it really, as a clinician demonstrates why we have to constantly be open to learning new ideas. Like I I kind of referenced the cognitive dissonance, and, and this could really apply to anything, but there are some people who are just completely unwilling to think beyond what they know or to entertain ideas that are contrary to what they were taught or told or fervently believe. And I just think that that's dangerous in the sense that I think all of us as, as, as adults have to evolve, shift and change throughout our lifetime. And so certainly this is probably my favorite book of Perlmutter's but when I talk to him on Wednesday, it's really going to come from a place of humility. Like, wow, this is, this is information that is going to change the way a lot of clinicians are looking at metabolic health. And obviously that's a huge focus of my podcast is metabolic health. But certainly for me, just completely blew the barn doors off, pardon the expression, of everything I ever thought about uric acid. Like I didn't really think much about it. But um, I, I would say for an upcoming podcast, that would be one. I think about, you know, people that I connected with in the fall and certainly um, early winter time, you know, really looking at people that are doing really great work. You know, there are cardiovascular surgeons um, like Philip Bavadio who are saying like, I don't want you on my operating room table. You know, these are clinicians who are like taking a line in the stand and just saying like, I don't want this to be the outcome for you or um, other clinicians that are leaving, you know, kind of traditional allopathic medicine to go out on their own because they can't meet the needs of their patients anymore. I think about uh, Dr. Renee Wellenstein, who is an OBGYN, but is really kind of working in this women's health libido space and having the conversations that women feel uncomfortable having, but she's doing it in a way that is uh, honoring where women are in time and space, or even, you know, I, I had the opportunity to interact with another physician who was changing the narrative about how women interact and think about, um, you know, weight and their bodies. And just, I mean, to me, it's just, it's so humbling to be able to connect with people who are really doing great work. And I don't just interview physicians on my podcast, but these are just the ones that kind of stand out based on the feedback that I've gotten where people are just like, I finally feel validated. I finally feel like my feelings are, um, substantial and certainly vital. And now I feel like I'm in a position where I can be my own best advocate. So you never know who you're going to inspire on your podcast. And that's why I think it's so important for us to have our voices out there and to be 
having those uncomfortable conversations. I mean, every once in a while, I'm sure this probably happens to you. Every once in a while, someone comes on and they talk about a topic that maybe I'm not super comfortable talking about, which generally tells me that's my own bias and we need to talk about it. Mm. Um, you know, it, usually that centers around things that I just kind of go, well, if my kids heard me talking to a sex, you know, behavioral therapist, you know, would they be embarrassed? Um, and so my husband and I laugh about that, but <laughs> I think it's, I think it's important that my kids are teenagers. So they, they, they try not to listen to the podcast, but I always think like in the context of their mom having these conversations, but I realize that's my bias. Right. And so sometimes we have to kind of tuck our bias away and be open-minded to what a guest is talking about in a way that, uh, you know, is ultimately professional and is going to serve the needs of individuals that are listening to the podcast, but just acknowledging sometimes people talk about stuff that you're like, whoa, that's not what I wanted to talk about. Like I have, I have some ground rules on my podcast and if they get, you know, breached or broached, um, then uh, my podcast team can swoop in and edit if they need to. But overall, (laughs) I tend not to be, I tend not to edit much of what people say, but occasionally we kind of go off the, the, the track and I have to kind of bring everything back so that it's aligned with, you know, what the focus of the podcast needs to be. Politics specifically. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And I I even have to sometimes, you know, if there are people that tend to be more outspoken, I I just politely, before we start recording, I'm like, listen, I'm happy to talk about X outside the context of the conversation, but because I'm a licensed medical professional, I do not need, you know, people getting all up in arms about certain topics. And so, yeah, my, my team and I are very aligned on this because you know, and it's not to suggest we shouldn't have those conversations. I just don't want them on my podcast. Right. Like that's not the platform I speak from, right. but I do get DMs all the time about these specific things. And I try to politely answer as best I can, and then defer that they have a conversation with their healthcare professional. <laughs> Very smart. You definitely don't want to yes. jump into that landmine. Nope. Nope. <laughs> not at all. Nope. Well, so this is maybe a different audience. I would expect that most people listening to you on Boundless Body would be familiar with your work and familiar with fasting. To people who aren't really familiar with, you know, your your latest book and the work that you do, how would you explain to them simply, you know, how intermittent fasting can help them and what things they can do to get started? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I usually start from the place of our traditional kind of perspectives on meal frequency and how we interact with our environment. And by that, I mean, poor quality sleep, too much electronics, not enough physical activity, not enough connection to nature, too frequent meals, wrong, you know, macros, protein, fat, and carbs. When I talk about intermittent fasting, it's really designed to educate people about eating less frequently because when we eat less frequently, we're going to better balance our hormones. We're going to be more aligned with the way our bodies are designed to thrive, which is eating less frequently. And we're certainly going to be in a position where we'll have more energy, be able to uh, lose weight more easily, sleep better, be more physically active, you know, getting really back to what I affectionately refer to as an ancestral health perspective, just being less connected to technology and processed foods And so the platform that I really stand on is encouraging people to kind of really look at their habits. I think lifestyle medicine is really where things are at and lifestyle medicine really focuses on the tough stuff. I mean, I wrote prescriptions for a long time and I got to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore because we have conditioned patients to ask for prescription medications rather than doing the hard work. And the hard work is 
the nutrition, the sleep quality, the stress management, the exercise, um, you know, the connection with nature. It is much harder to do that. And I, by no means, I mean, this is a sword I will probably die on. I am by no means discounting how hard that is to do, but our metabolic health is critically important. And as we are looking at statistics that are upwards of 90% of the population is metabolically unhealthy. And what does that mean? They're inflamed, they're insulin resistant, they're diabetic, they've got heart disease, they've got high blood pressure, you know, they're at risk for certain types of cancers and neurodegenerative disease or diseases. And that to me is incredibly sad. And so I want people to have a great quality of life throughout their lifetime. I want them to be able to chase after their kids, chase after their grandkids, not be on 15 medications. You know, in cardiology, we used to, it was sometimes a joke to see, you know, you would have patients come into clinic, they'd be on 40 medications, 4D, 40. Wow. wow. And that was my norm. And I don't want that for people. I want people to be on as little medication as possible. I take one medication every day for my thyroid. I have accepted that. That is like where I am in time and space. But really the platform I stand on for the benefit of, of your listeners is really a metabolic health standpoint. And fasting is a part of that. And fasting really just represents eating less frequently. And unfortunately, most Americans eat far too frequently and eat the wrong foods. And that has a really negative impact on our health. Mm. Well, I know, I always know when somebody has a really good command on a topic because they can explode any one little thing into a really long discussion, or they can also explain it very simply, which, which I'm so glad you were able to. And I really hope that, you know, for the listener, if this is something you hadn't really considered that you, you know, pay attention to and maybe go, you know, to your podcast and learn about this stuff, because you're right, like it is, it is work, but it's also work that makes it that's the, that that's where you get the value like if it mm-hmm. if it was no work it wouldn't provide any value so i i think it's just so critical to consider and you make it so simple by saying you know eat less times eat eat, eat less frequently mm-hmm. it's like so simple i love that can you tell the listener one more time where people can go to find you and your work to find your podcast and to find your new book yeah so easiest place is www.cynthiatherlow.com you can get access to the book uh, which is being sold on Amazon Target Barnes and Noble and your local bookstores Everyday Wellness uh, podcast is on almost all the platforms Spotify uh, which has taken a lot of heat recently iTunes etc uh it is truly an honor to be able to connect with so many listeners I'm pretty active on Instagram I'm snarky on Twitter before warned <laughs> although lately I've been I've kept that under wraps I have an active Facebook group called intermittent fasting lifestyle backslash my name where I welcome people to come on and get to know uh, my kind of business ethos better but yeah that's probably the easiest way to connect with me and for right now I still am the person that answers my social media DMs although it drives my team crazy. Um, for as long as I'm able to do that, I I hope that I can continue to do that. Wow. That's amazing. We will make sure to link to all of that. Cynthia Thurlow, thank you so much. What an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful that I've been able to talk to you so many times about so many different things. And this, this episode has a lot of great uh, tips and tricks that people can use when they are considering podcasting. So thank you so very much. And I cannot, cannot, um, recommend everyday wellness, your podcast highly enough. So thanks again for all of your work and thanks for coming on our show today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. Also, be sure to check out the show that made all of this possible, Boundless Body Radio. 
where we provide tons of helpful and informative content, feature incredible guests, and talk all about health and wellness. Cheers, and thank you for joining us on the How to Make a Podcast podcast.